Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And today, joining me, and I know I just shipped him a copy of my co-authored book, so I should remember the cities in Asian. But tell me again, Dan, where you are. It's Dan Rockwell. I'm in uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, about two hours north of Harrisburg. So he is in PA, lovely PA. Um, I happened to watch the, a, a series the other night about uh, the undercover billionaire who went to Erie, Pennsylvania. I thought that was a fascinating show, actually. Well, for all my listeners, this is the book we're going to be talking about is The Vagrant, and it's the inner, leader, inner journey of leadership. It's a parable by Dan and John David Mann. He's also the best-selling author of The Go-Giver. So for all of you, we're going to put a link out to this. This was not a single person writing this book. There was a lot of help uh, from John Mann in the process. Um, and I want to tell the listeners, uh, Dan, a bit about you. So he's frequently, freakishly interested in leadership, uh, to say the least. He has a blog that has over 500,000 followers. Uh, he's work, working to bring the, my best self in service to others. As he said, he's in PA. Inc. Magazine says he's the top 50 leadership and management experts and top 100 great leadership speakers. The American Management Association put him at top 30 leaders in business 2014. According to the Center for Management and Organizational Effectiveness, the Leadership Freak blog is the most socially shared leadership blog on the internet. Uh, and that's a, a testament to you. He's been at it a while. Uh, he started this in 2010 and writing in this blog. And he says he helps people change their leadership or they're thinking about life 300 words at a time, which is true. Uh, so go check it out at leadershipfreak, F-R-E-A-K.com. I'm sorry, dot blog. Um, and that's where you can find out about him. You also can find out about this book, The Vagrant, at the same website. Um, so please do go visit that and contact him. And more importantly, I'd say sign out, sign up for the uh, newsletter. I did. It's a great newsletter. It uh, comes out. Subscribe via email. Good way for you to learn more about Dan and what he's doing. Well, look, this is a parable. Everybody learns from parables, Dan. Um, we all learn because in a lot of cases, it's our own story, too. We're, we're parable, but it is. And the title, The Vagrant, instantly kind of captures everybody's attention. Uh, I love the pigeon on the front cover. How does this concept of a vagrant relate to the inner journey of leadership, as you would say, because I'm not certain everybody would put the two of those together. <laughs> well, you know, uh, thanks for bringing it up. And I have to tell you, we went round and round about the bird on the on the cover. And the publishers, Ben Bella, who have been fantastic, uh, gave us these mock-ups. And the first mock-up, one of the first mock-ups had this pigeon, which ended up being the original uh, uh, cover. And I, I wrote to John, I said, I don't know if I'm excited about a pigeon. He said, I, I don't either. And we went back and forth. We want a strong bird. You know what I'm saying? An eagle. And, <laughs> an eagle. That's right. You know? And, uh, anyway, uh, long story short, after many iterations, 
we came back to realize that it was genius. We loved the publisher, how they put that together. Uh, the, the term vagrant, uh, I was surprised to learn you know, the term vagrant has to do with a migratory, a, a bird that has been blown off its migratory course. And so it fit perfectly with the story, with this high potential uh, leader, highly talented, highly successful, who uh, unintentionally gets blown off course. Definitely blown off course. Poor Bob. Um, <laughs> he's the manager at a hospital. Uh, he has this he basically goes to the office and thinks that he's going to get a promotion. Instead of him getting promoted, he gets fired. Um, and then he leaves and he has this encounter uh, with the vagrant in the alleyway, a, a confrontation with words. He's rambling. And then he basically repents over the words that he basically said to uh, this he called it the four impediments of the apocalypse and the ultimate meaning of these words have for Bob. What, what is that? I mean, that is kind of the story. It's not the whole story, but it's the starting of the story. It is. And uh, you, you have this fellow Bob who uh, doesn't realize that he is engaged in uh, self-defeating behaviors. He thinks he's doing well. Uh, it is my story, uh, although this the story is not biographical. The mistakes that Bob made are I made all of those mistakes and more. And uh, what we get the feedback we get is that uh, one of the early readers said, "I wondered if I was Bob." <laughs> I mean, that's how close <laughs> we've, we all been, we've all been, Bob. <laughs> Yes, and and that's the beauty of it, and the beauty of a, of a, a parable like this, is that he is actually uh, stumbling over himself, but he doesn't know it, and so that his story, as you mentioned, poor Bob, uh, John David Mann, uh, who was fantastic, uh, said on one of the podcasts we were on, we just beat the daylights out of uh, Bob through most of the story. And uh, some of us wake up slowly, you know what I'm saying, to really kind of break through uh, to be the kind of people we truly aspire to be. Well, it's a human experience. Um, you know, I, I, I was relating in a prior podcast here this morning about Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. You know, that story has been told over and over again. No matter how many times I say it, we know what it's about. People already know. How do you address this balance between introspection and outward leadership action within the book? Because, you know, for us to change, uh, we have to take an introspective viewpoint. We have to look at our ego. We have to look at our, being authentic as an expert, I'm sorry, as a leader. Um, and authenticity and uh, being in balance with our ego are two big things for leaders and introspection. Um, what what would be your comments there about this outward leadership action within the book? Well, first of all, if you're not acting and if you're not taking action and if you're not fueling action, then you're not leading. That's just part of what it means to lead. Our challenge is 
to not lose ourselves to the action, to not lose ourselves to the job. And so uh, I think most of us, look, we start off truly authentic when we are born. (laughs) You don't get much more authentic than that. But then we start pleasing, you know, we start to learn how to please people. And uh, so we please our parents, and then we please teachers, and then we please a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or then we and then we please a boss. And, you know, and after a while, um, we have to, I think we swing back, it's been my journey, we swing back to uh, rediscover ourselves. So first of all, you have to act, but there is a tendency to slip into or lose ourselves to the action, to the performance. And so the story, uh, you know, helps. And at the end, the, the exercises help people engage in some structured self-reflection. There's questions a, too. So a whole series yes. of questions. As a matter of fact, questions from almost each chapter, but they're all the way at the end of the book because yes. you tell the parable and then you give people that and those questions i found to be uh very thought-provoking right in other words that was the intent i'm sure um so you know leadership comes from a unique set of challenges right uh we all as leaders and i've been a leader i've owned my own companies just like you have started your businesses i had employees um and you're supposed to set an example. <laughs> um, what are some of the internal and external challenges uh, that the protagonist faced in the vagrant? In other words, this is Bob. <laughs> yes, um, Bob's we big chap. Go ahead, let's beat up on him some more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bob's, <laughs> Bob, <laughs> Bob's big challenge is, is ego. And uh, arrogance, if you would prefer, or uh, pride. Pride these days used to be only a negative word. These days, uh, you know, being proud of yourself is is a much more uh, positive kind of term. But ego is what seems to blind us, and and that's what happened with Bob. Modeling the way is such a wonderful thing to say, um, and I think when it comes to this obviously model the way as far as being a person of action, but also model the way as far as being a person who is vulnerable, transparent. And one of the best things leaders can do to connect with people is to talk to them about what they're learning, how they're growing, the books they're reading. I just discovered this or intentionally, intentionally seeking specific feedback, not just like needy feedback, like, oh, do you like me? Do you like me? You know, am I doing okay? But I mean, very, you know, declare an intention and then ask some questions around it. So seeking specific feedback. So we're modeling then what it means to uh, grow into our aspirational self. Yeah, you've obviously written this blog for a long time on, and you're a leadership freak. And you've owned your own businesses, as you said. You've obviously been a leader. Uh, You exemplify it, and thank you for that. Uh, You worked with a co-author, John David Mann, on the book. And I think that readers might be interested in knowing what the experience was like. I mean, I know I just finished a book working with two other people 
Uh, and in the title of the book is The Precipice of Life, uh, Personal Growth and Leadership Lessons from the Edge, Mountaineer's Edge, right? And the, and the thing is, there is a lot of correlation between somebody mountain climbing as a team to get to the top of the mountain and leadership. And in this case, you guys had this dynamics of collaborating. Um, how did it shape the story, the vagrant? And how did the two of you come away from that uh, being more enriched by doing it together versus doing it by yourself? Right. And uh, first of all, thank you, Greg, for your, for the book. I do, I do have the book. Uh, you sent <laughs> it to me. And uh, I was uh, stunned by your remarkable penmanship. Thank you for signing it. Um, I've made <laughs> a commitment. <laughs> I made a commitment never to pick a pen up again because uh, your penmanship is so fantastic. So, but anyway, uh, one of the things it took me a long time in life to learn is to bring the outside in. To uh, it was uh, I'm sort of like an ox. I just I put my head down. I just keep going. I'll get her dead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and uh, a lot of a lot of folks are like that. And and that that takes us so far. However, if you really want to exponentially expand your life, bring people in. I had this story in my heart for about ten years, and I tried to write it a few times. And I write every day, but I don't write this way. And so, you know, I just, it didn't work. I wasn't successful at it. And finally, I reached out to John David Mann. I thought to myself, who's the best I know? And I knew John from Bob Berg and the Go-Giver series. And I'm friends with Bob. He's a wonderful guy. And those books are fantastic. So I thought, why not reach high? I sent him an email. I said, I have an idea for a book. Could we have a conversation? Now, you got to know, John David Mann gets a lot of opportunities to do this. He collaborates frequently. He said yes, which I am thankful for. And we got on the phone. I told him the story in a nutshell. Main character, some of the, the you know, the, 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 the big you know, change at the end and, you know, just some of that stuff. And, and he loved it. He said, let's do it. That's how quickly it happened. And that was about two and a half, three years ago. So from then, John took, he, we had conversations on the phone, we emailed, and then um, he, he went to my blog and, you know, read a lot of the material to get fee, a feel for, you know, some of the key ideas. And we talked about some of the key ideas, you know, humility is an important thing in here. Self-reflection is an important thing. And uh, then John went to work. He's the guy who crafted the narrative. Right. It, was be it was beyond me. And that's, I think, one of the big lessons of this, Greg, is bring people into your life. Don't hesitate. And, and someone said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, you know, John, I'm so thankful for John and him sharing his talent and his skill. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you this. One of the things I learned from John, one of the first things I learned from John uh, is when someone tells you what you've written doesn't make sense or it's not clear, they're almost always right. When they tell you how to fix it, they're almost always wrong. And I thought, well, that's just fantastic. You know, listen to feedback, but don't let feedback drive your life. 
it's a you know it's a wonderful uh, uh, thing that for me to learn you know be confident and yet be open which is a big challenge uh, but anyway John is fantastic I'm so thankful for him and he added some characters to the story uh, that one of my favorite parts of the book wasn't even in my original conception of what was going to happen. It's the uh, encounter that he had with his father in the nursing home. It's one of my favorite parts. And, you know, it's like, that's what happens when we team up with people. It's beautiful. Well, that's the point I was trying to make here, too, is that um, I happen to be listening to Tim Ferriss about his podcast. It's been seven years since Tim's written a book. Everybody knows him for the four-hour work week, right? And uh, he's kind of a crazy guy, but what he said is the first time he's ever co-authored a book. And he found a co-author to write this new book with. He didn't say who it was, but obviously probably somebody pretty noted. And he said, I never trusted anyone. And he said, even today, I still have a tough time trusting. And I think if there was one thing that you could learn as a leader is you've got to let people in your organization do what they do best and surround yourself with them and trust that they're going to do it, right? Um, it, it, it just says you're there to serve them. They're not there to serve you, right? the Greenleaf School method of, of leadership. In your perspective, how does the inner journey to leadership impact the legacy one leaves behind? Um, because this is, this is important. And I think for all of us, we look at leaders. I was listening to something the other day. It was a, and, and you'll get this, you know, Steve Jobs passed away, Tim Cook took over. I heard that the company has grown 30 times its size since Steve Jobs actually passed away, hmm. okay? $3 trillion. And I was thinking to myself, whoa, what a testament to Tim Cook as a leader. And every time I see him, I go, there's a man that exemplifies, obviously Steve Jobs knew what he was doing when he said, Tim, take over the company, right? Good example or not? <laughs> oh, oh, fantastic. And, you know, you're nailing it, Greg, this issue of trust, you know, uh, learning to trust other people in what they're good at, what they're great at. Um, don't hold them back. Don't tweak them. Don't try to give them too much guidance. Just point. You know what I mean? Let's just get in the same boat and row in the same direction. That's what we need to do. Uh, so John, uh, you know, was like that for me. Uh, Steve Jobs is smart enough to, you know, get Tim Cook in there. I think Microsoft has, you know, done so well since right. Bill, Bill Gates left as well. Right. Uh, I have leaders who have struggled with with uh, delegating. I, I just received an email not too long ago, one of my coaching clients, and uh, it was about delegating. And uh, when we got on our call, I said, uh, so uh, how are you with trust? <laughs> because delegating is about trust. Right. If you want to expand your life, if you want to expand your footprint, um, then you, you have to learn how to trust people. That's so true. Now, we're living in a really fast-paced world, and people talk about all kinds of forms of leadership. We see it all over. There's so many books written around leadership. 
um, and what one can do to become a better leader. This parable helps somebody understand what's wrong with their own personality that might be blocking them from being a better leader. Considering the rapid changing dynamics of our modern world, which is all the time, how does the vagrant cater to today's emerging leaders? People that are you know, coming in to new positions of leadership, it's happening all day long everywhere, companies all over. Uh, but if they were gonna read this book and take away anything, what would you want them to take away as an emerging leader? Well, in the context of today and such a turbulent environment and world that we live in, if you don't know who you are, you are completely stressed out. You are driven by every passion. You know, new things come down the pike and you, you think, well, that's a great idea and that's a great idea. What are we going to do about this? There is no center. There is no foundation. You've lost yourself. The first time I learned this was uh, during a conversation with Jim Parker, who was the CEO of Southwest Airlines at, uh, during 9-11. And uh, I was so excited to talk to him. They sent me his book and I just was, you know, delighted. So we got on the, we got on the phone at the time and we weren't using Zoom and all of that and uh, had a conversation. And I finally said, uh, Jim, tell me, what do you love to tell leaders? What's your favorite word of advice? He said the most underwhelming thing I think I had ever heard. He said, uh, I tell them to be themselves. I had really no good comprehension of that. <laughs> and it, it, it took me a while. I'm a farm boy, dairy farm boy from Maine originally. We don't worry about be yourself. You just worry about getting the work done. Right. And um, Jim explained, and it took, me, it took me a while to get a real grip on it, but here's the deal. If you don't know who you are, somebody's going to walk into your office and they're going to say, this is this, and this is this, and this is a good idea. And you're going to say, and it will be a good idea. And you're going to say, oh, okay, great. Next meeting, somebody's going to come in your office. They're going to tell you this and that, and this is a good idea, and it's going to be a great idea, and it's not going to be the same thing. And you're going to be pulled over here, and you're going to be pulled on over there. Um, you know, to use a Bill George uh, kind of metaphor, you got to have a true north. You got to know where you're going and what you're about. If Thank you God don't... for Medtronics. Oh my word! <laughs> exactly. You know, you get blown all over the place. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who you are. Yeah, and I know that may sound trite to some people because they're not like okay know who you are right it's just, it seems like ah okay i know who i am but i think that's the inner journey that you're talking about here that's the inner journey that bill said to take you know uh with the north star that's any leadership book that's really kind of written out there and that's what yours is too the inner journey what are some of the things that Bob goes through, because uh, I know we're going to come to this section on reflections and questions and projects that you have in the book, but what are some of the things that Bob realizes along the way of this journey uh, and awakens to that transforms his character? Yes. I think the, the biggest point to uh, uh, emphasize is 
Bob has a series of misfortunes, misfortunes that um, kind of begin to wake him up. And so, first of all, pain can be very useful. It can mm-hmm. be a wake-up call when painful things are happening, disappointment, sadness, uh, you know, things happen that you don't expect to happen. But the other part of Bob's journey is there are several pivotal conversations. Every one of us have had these conversations where someone said something to us that just, you know, we didn't like it. It didn't make sense. It didn't seem in line with reality. But uh, as time passed and we reflected on it, we discovered they were right. And that's a big surprise for some of us. We, you know, we, our perceptions are narrow and we don't always see the full picture and Bob didn't either. So, you know, he gets told, uh, well, Greg, so look, I did everything Bob did wrong and more. And I remember I was, I used to be told, and it probably still could be, uh, you're, you can be pushy, Dan. And my daughter as an adult told me, I think you like to scare people. And this is a thing. Passion can be pushy, but not know it. And passion can, you know, kind of like, you know, be intimidating. And and I could not hear that. One day I asked uh, my team at that time, uh, you know, for specific feedback. And one of the ladies said, you can be pushy. I, I that had the, I've heard that before. And I said, do you have an example? And she said, well, it's kind of hard to think of an example. I said, thank you very much. And, you know, we moved on. Two weeks later, I'm having a conversation with a person face-to-face like this. She's in my peripheral vision off to my left. While I'm having the, while I'm having the conversation, she, I see her. She's going, that's it. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's and, what I'm talking about, Dan. Yeah, and it was the first time in my whole life that I could actually perceive myself as a person yeah. who might be perceived as pushy. I'm just passionate. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Bob has these conversations, and we'll do well also. If we hear something a few times from different sources, we'll probably do well to listen to that too and maybe dig into it, even though it, it can be painful. You know, you bring up an important point, and I'll reflect on it for a second, because I think uh, anybody in leadership goes through succession, whether it's a family business or you work for a big company, and you you are going to take that point where someone else is going to step in and take over. Um, and having done succession planning, I realized that what mostly people want is they want to be relevant. They consistently want to be relevant. They want to contribute, right? Uh, And you were talking about being pushy, or I should say passionate. Passionate can be misperceived. I, my personal purpose statement is I exist to serve, to inspire passion, which is to move people from a state of confusion to a state of understanding, or at least help them get there, right? I wouldn't have done this podcast show for 17 years if that's what wasn't, this wasn't about. And I think sometimes it can be perceived wrong because people used to say to me when I had all the companies and also leadership is like, you know, you, you can be pushy. You're kind of a, you, you know, you kind of can be a know-it-all. I, I was told that, right? Um, 
Because there are times when you're given that power that you do feel like you kind of know it all. I mean, hey, look at a lot of the political leaders <laughs> that mm-hmm. did this prior to this came around. So provide the reader with, let's go to this part um, in the book, which is actually in the back of the book, because you're going to read the parable first, and then you're going to get all these questions, and you're going to get these, which includes what I call reflections, which includes the questions and five projects. And I thought those projects were interesting. Don't know how you uh, and John David Mann came up with that. Can you provide the readers with some insights on the purpose of that section in particular? Because like, look, I just read this great parable about this guy, I get it. And now you're going to provide me with a section of the book for reflection. Yes. But yes. you didn't do it along the way. You no. waited until I got all the way done with the story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so the, the five reflections were our practices that I have learned. And I think the the one that is the perhaps in the five projects in the five projects. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh I think the one that I like to talk about with folks is is the one that where you try to involve others in your life in this in your practice, uh, because uh, self reflection and isolation leads to self deception. What I mean by that is, uh, and I'm not against uh, quiet self reflection by yourself. I'm all about it, or you know any sort of meditative practice or anything like that. However, if you recall, uh, Daniel Kahneman wrote this book a few years ago called uh, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Right. It's filled with all these uh, biases that we have that color our thinking and narrow our thinking and, you know, put, you know, roadblocks. We think we're making honest, open decisions. But in the end, there are so many things impacting us. This is where we need to bring other people in and, and listen to them. And, and not just, like I said, be, being needy, but here's, here's, here's one for you, Greg. Everybody loves meetings, right? Not really. Not and, really. No. <laughs> and you, so you say, you know what? I have a, I have an intention here that I want to lead uh, energizing meetings. I want people to walk out of my meetings more energized than when they walked in. Now that, my friend, is a noble goal. Does it reflect what you're all about? Do you are you want do you want to inspire people? It would reflect what you want to do too. So you you go to a couple people on a team and say, uh, here's my intention to energize, lead energizing meetings. I'm planning on trying this and this. Would you during the meeting just monitor the energy? Talk to me about and, and be prepared to talk to me about when you felt the energy going down, when you felt the energy going up. What did I do that served that intention well? What did I do that actually didn't serve that intention well? And then, boom, have a conversation right after the meeting because I have to have the feedback like I'm like a puppy. If you spank the puppy a week after they pee on the floor, they don't get it. I have they'll to have again. Yeah, they'll do it Immediate. again. Yeah, so so um, get some very uh, specific and uh, um, immediate feedback, which then you can take and go to your own self-reflection now. How am I going to do? How did I do? How do I want to adapt? 
uh, what do I want to try next time? But the all these simple, and by the way, we're not talking about spending a half, a half an hour, an hour even. Uh, leaders are terrified of this self-reflection being, you know, a long time. No, just have three or four uh, pre-planned questions that you can ask yourself after each meeting, get some feedback, keep monitoring yourself, and, and make sure that those meetings are really reflecting the kind of meetings that you have secretly in your heart, the way you really want them to be. Really good. That That is really, really a very good thing to leave the listeners with, because um, I don't think many people choose to monitor the energy, right? Mm. Uh, but if somebody is going to monitor the energy of a meeting, especially with the amount of meetings that we have, and it's your job to come in and inspire, you certainly should have somebody monitor it and tell you when it up went up and when it went down. It's almost like the same thing when, when something happens as a leader, that space between the time that it happens and the actual reaction, not, no, not a reaction, we want action. So that opportunity to think about what it is, that thing that you just gave us, that tip, is that space in between before I go take that next action because I need someone to assist me and giving me feedback that energy was high, low, whatever, and then modulate that. Um, Dan, in, in coming up with this, uh, I think, You've got so many takeaways from The Vagrant. Uh, and again, for my listeners, here is the book. Uh, we're gonna have a link to the uh, Amazon website where you can pick up a copy of this book. I'll also put a link to leadershipfreak.blog uh, where you can learn more about Dan Rockwell and the book. Uh, there's actually a page there. But in wrapping things up, can you provide the listeners with two significant takeaways? You just gave us one. So maybe you only want to give us one more that could be implemented in their leadership skills and help them become, I want to call it more aware leaders, not just better, but more aware uh, and more sensitive and caring and understanding. Um, I think today leadership styles because of the speed at which we move, we have such high expectations of people, but they don't know that we have those high expectations of them. So the message gets confused. And if somebody doesn't meet that expectation, then usually it's the person who had the expectation that explodes uh, and it's not a good scene. So what would you do to mitigate that? What would you tell people to mitigate that? Well, first of all, the monitoring energy thing is huge. I've learned to do it in my coaching practice. When I see someone's energy go up um, in, in some sort of remarkable way during a conversation, I'll I'll stop the conversation and say, oh, I, you just went bright. I want to know what's going on. So that uh, it, walking around and just intentionally monitoring people, seeing when they're at their best, having conversations and noticing when they go bright. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Just ask them about it. You Did know? you go bright? Is that what you're saying? Well, no. Just I, I, Well, you're in your case, you have this high degree of intuition. I'm not but, certain that, and, and I sense that from you. You're very peaceful. You've got a great intuition. There's a lot of leaders that are hard charging, Yes. you know, just 
type yep. A personality leaders. Do you yep. think intuition went out with them, uh, you know, in the early 1900s, if you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like they never had it. But, but the key is for you to be aware through your intuition that somebody actually has brightened up during a call. Yes. That in of itself is a big deal for a lot yes. of leaders. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and I think it can be learned. So the, the, uh, if you can, you'll have to take it step by step and just take, you know, very small steps and say, I want to notice when people's language gets more fluent, when they start to speak more freely and, and just, you know, see, because that's more of a up energy experience versus the down energy experience. I want to notice when their eyes open up. I want to notice when they like look up or when they look down. I want to notice their shoulders. Do they droop? Right. I think you can begin if you, you know, say I'm just so driven by everything. I haven't really been noticing people is if you do set an intention to notice people, then you can start noticing. And, and then, you know, on that note, get with someone who is very good with people and say, I'm working on this. I'm working on noticing energy. What suggestions do you have for me? And get a partner, because I think we go further together than we do by ourselves. So get a partner. But I, I think in the in the beginning stages, just start to notice body language, the way people talk, the eyebrows, you know. I mean, almost always they smile, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah. so when you if you see a smile, it is, you know, and don't look for earth-shaking things, Greg. It's like you might stop somebody and say, hey, I just noticed you, you, you and don't make a judgment like, well, you you just got happy. No, you know, I say, no, your your shoulder, you just you just kind of leaned up and your your eyes went uh, bright. And I'm just curious what's happening for you. It, don't expect it to be earth shaking every time, but you're noticing people. Oh, see how good that is. And not you because you were talking about relationships. I think that helps us connect with people. Well, a leader is about managing relationships. Um, a good leader is about inspiring other to have even better relationships. And I think this book and this story, and again, I'm going to hold it up for my viewing audience, but for my listener audience, the book is The Vagrant, The Inner journey of leadership by dan rockwell and john david mann the author of the go-giver please go out and get a copy um, i want to thank you for being on inside personal growth spending some time with our listeners and again for our listeners uh, his blog has over 500,000 followers i think it'd be a great one to subscribe to you can also find him on linkedin probably find him on every social media channel there is yeah. out there uh but go get a copy of the book uh dan pleasure speaking with you thanks today for all your wisdom and insights and opportunity to tell bob's story a little bit so that people could uh prevent some of the mistakes that bob made uh so you don't get so beat up in life <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so, that yeah, thank you, Greg. Um, I'm always cognizant of the fact that someone like you has shared a bit of their uh, credibility by having me uh, be part of their program. And uh, it's an honor. 
And uh, I hope I honored you and your audience. You certainly did. And namaste to you. Thanks for being on. And we'll talk again soon. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.